The reasonable man adapts himself to the world. The unreasonable one persists in trying to adapt the world to himself. Therefore, all progress depends on the unreasonable man. This is Yoakum Strength Podcast with your host, me, Austin Yoakum, and producer Marcus behind the scenes. This quote leads perfectly into our guest today, Jake Tura, strength conditioning coach for Youngstown State University. As you learn from the podcast today, Jake is who many would consider to be the unreasonable man, challenging the status quo of the strength conditioning field and pushing it forward. Known for his meathead dunks, hypertrophy clusters, and iso lunge hold, Jake is all about finding answers to solutions. Today, we dive deep into what has allowed Jake to get to where he is at, how he uses a four coactive model with his athletes, the importance of communication, and to focus on constant growth. I hope you guys enjoy. Well, it's awesome to have you in, uh, in studio here. I uh, showed you around St. Thomas a little bit today. showed you the D3 moving to the D1 environment here. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you got here, how you got to the, the point that you're at right now and where you want to go with it. I had no interest in the strength field until I was like senior in high school. I was playing basketball. I was okay. a small high school, but I played basketball. And then I started lifting because I was tiny, you know. Then kind of off and on, whatever. But I got into college and like two years in, I was like, I have no clue what I want to do with my life. Started lifting and I like saw some progress with that. I really enjoyed it. So I'm like, well, I want to be a strength coach. But growing up in the country, being introverted, you can't like if you're a strength coach, you got to talk to people. You got to <laughs> yep. be able to communicate. Yep. So I was so ter- I was so bad at that, like like just low social acuity social anxiety, all these issues. Um, so then a bunch of internships, like just working for free for years, mm-hmm. uh, being in those positions where you're not in charge. I hated that. Uh, like being under someone, having to listen, you know, you don't know if, if you're going to coach someone, if that's actually what the coach wants. They're writing the programs. They're doing, and looking back now, I'm like, I could not do that with my personality. Now. You know? <laughs> yep. Like I have to be in charge. If I had to assist, so like a, if I had to assist a head football coach, a head football strength coach, I don't know how well I would do with that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just my personality now. So anyways, like very introverted, very bad socially. Um, sure. I, I did all the reading and all the stuff with strength conditioning, like read super training, read all the books you should read. But at the end of the day, you have to get results with people. Mm-hmm. And that is about being able to communicate. So did all those internships, uh, learned a lot about having that ability. And then uh, what happened? I got my undergrad. I got my master's. I interned at Met- University of Minnesota for a summer. I volunteered at UW Superior for about a year year and a half and that got really really bad because you're working for free you know, yep. whatever got done with that got a job at university of minnesota duluth for a year uh that was good same issues i didn't really see eye to eye with the guys there i mean i was stupid back then i should have i should have <laughs> i should have <laughs> approached it differently but then i got a job at youngstown and now i've been there for this is my third year um but yeah the whole journey is kind of just you, you gotta i mean if you really want to do it you're going to learn about strength and conditioning knowledge but then you also have to be able to talk to people, you know, yeah. communicate effectively. So. so I want to bring, I want to bring it back to that communication point. Cause I think that's something that globally people can get better at, especially in our society today. How, what, so you said you, you went through it. Is it just the repetition of putting yourself out there where there are challenges that you had to like, Hey, I need to get better at this. Or how did you realize that the communication wasn't working? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you like, I guess just a lack of results. Okay. You, know, you work with you work with athletes and they don't do what you want them to do or they don't get the results you want them to, to have. Um, and either you say it's all your fault mm-hmm. or you say maybe it's my fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe that's your knowledge, maybe that's your lack of knowledge, maybe your programs suck, you know, who knows what it is. Like we talked about the placebo effect, you know, yep. like uh, if you can't get them to buy into what you what you're talking about, if they're not excited about what you're doing, then uh, it's probably not gonna work. I, I think it is being in the trenches, like co- actually coaching people, but not being so busy with that that you can't actually re- reflect on it. 
Yeah. So at times for me, we're like, I got through a whole like fall semester for me is very, it's, it's super busy. I actually got sick this year, probably because I was like <laughs> overworked. Yeah, yeah, I guess like just, just doing, doing so much and not having time, like not recovering properly myself. When I can take a break, like now I get like a week off. Uh, it's always a chance for me to look back and be like, wow, I really messed up there. Um, but if you don't ever get that time and you're just coaching over and over and over, I don't think you get the chance to reflect. So, um, yes, putting yourself in that situation, but then taking the time away to be like, uh, what did I do wrong? Yeah, trying to create um, that balance a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, my, my, my first year, we got a new women's soccer coach. Uh, and before Christmas break, I, just, I had just met with him and he questioned everything that I wanted to do with the soccer girls. Like, he was like, how do I basically... How are you going to help me put the ball in the back of the net? Mm-hmm. Uh, and how do, you answer, how do you answer that as a strength coach? Because you know? yep. all we think, of, we see things through our own lens. Um, so that really sucked having that conversation. But I could imagine if I had that conversation with them, and then I went into two months of just coaching over and over and over, I probably would have a hard time reflecting on that conversation. But I had that conversation. I went on winter break, and I had about a week to process it and be like, wow, I don't know how this is going to work. Or be <laughs> like, what is this guy? What is this guy even talking about? You know, um, And that – I that whole process i've learned a ton from this 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 coach uh more so to realize the stupidity of, of our field yep. um, and <laughs> how we see things our way whereas we're trying to like win games yeah know? we're trying to squat more weight or whatever that's sure it helps but um yeah having like being in the trenches but having the ability to actually reflect on it having the time or i don't know how you develop that being uh more like open to new ideas yeah you know? Yeah, and or, that, you, or you're just a person that's like, I'm always right. End of story. You know? Yeah, and uh, that I, work. there's a couple points there that I like is you, you took the extreme ownership thought process of you, the only way you can gain control of that situation. If you can put on your athletes and say they're not buying in that issue, but you're not you're never going to grow as a coach there. Or you can even if you are working with a super difficult set of athletes, you can put it on yourself as a coach and be like, in some way, I can get better at this. And in some way, this is my fault. And then trying to grow those faults. Another thing that I like that you mentioned, and it's something that I've really started to do this past year is taking more of an outside look at the strength and conditioning world where your coach, you, we, we uh, I think traditionally are like, all right, how do we get our bench squat? How do we get our athletes bigger? How do we get faster? That type of thing. But like you said, that coach asked you, how do we put the ball goal, ball in the back of the net? You know, like that is the end goal. And then taking that outside perspective and trying to find different ways to look at our strength conditioning field and the bubble that it is. And how can we use things from other realms to affect it? Are there any things that you really, any books, any things that you look at to be like, all right, this is something that makes sense here and we're not doing in the strength conditioning world because it's so bubbled up. I think be, uh, a few years ago I read Fergus Connolly's book, Game yep, Changer. Game Changer. Uh, and, for, and for some reason, I had never seen the four active, like the four coactive model, yep. physical, tactical, technical, uh, psychological. Yeah, it was the same I, way. I, I had never seen that before. I was like almost a decade into strength conditioning and I didn't realize that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Just to show you how far I was in the physical realm yeah. uh, of strength conditioning, like just aerobic, anaerobic, muscle mass, strength, you know, like that's all I saw performance as. Whereas when you read that, then it's like, well, maybe I'm missing a huge <laughs> Yeah. Um, so like, I think that that book, if people don't understand that, uh, then you're going to be a strength coach who values just stupid things, you know, like, should I do two weeks of uh, eccentric and then deload here? It's like, dude, who cares? Yeah. You know, <laughs> like you try to make, well, ultimately I look at what I do as, as trying to reduce the likelihood of injury, you know, like you're going to get the best at your sport by playing your sport. Yep. And hopefully I can reduce the likelihood of you getting hurt and having more time to actually practice. But I think you're coming from, or you come from the football, you play football, yep. especially your position. Um, I don't work with football right now. I work with basketball, swim, golf, all these other sports, like, the, if we just look at the physical 
like let's just say the physical development side, the physical co-active and the development, like how much does that matter to a golfer? You know, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. it really matters for you, your defensive end, you know, like, or like, let's say Kevin Durant, we say he couldn't even bench 185, but like how many people at, at your position could not bench 185 and be a successful football player? Yeah. They couldn't in your position. Yeah. Um, so I think it depends on the, the sport of like uh, the, the physical development side, like it depends on the sport of how much development do you need? Versus like if you're a golfer or you're a table tennis player or something like that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's not just looking at let's let's increase the numbers and everything. Um, but ultimately, like hopefully this side can help reduce likelihood that you get hurt. Um, but again, there's a billion things that go into that. Yeah. Who knows why we get hurt in the first place? You know? How do you break apart? So let's say you have golf and you have basketball. How do you break apart? Do you weigh almost reverse engineer the sport to see? This sport needs more tactical and technical parts of it. This sport needs more physical. Do you look at that or what's your way of breaking that apart for each sport Um, or even each athlete if you do it that far? There's a saying, I think Ido Portal, is that you say his name? You ever heard of him? Uh -uh. Ido Portal. uh, uh, I recently had a podcast with Kevin Foster and and, and we talked a bit and I've looked into more of his work, but I guess Ido Portal is like a movement guy. He had a, he had a quote that was, and I'm going to, I'm going to ruin it, but it was, uh, (laughs) We're we're humans first, then we're then we're I saw uh, whatever quote. it was, yep. and then and then at the end we're, we're we're athletes or we're specialists. I don't think that anyone is that great of a human that we can be like we need to specialize in, in you know what I mean. You're a golfer, we need to specialize in rotational power, or whatever. Like, what if you can't stand on one leg for <laughs> thirty seconds? You know, yep. if you can't like uh, you know what I mean, basic human stuff. What yep. if what if uh, and not not to say that like if you can't skip, you don't deserve any. You can't if you can't. Uh, properly skip you can't do a rotational med ball throw or something like have a progression regression model but it's like i think touching on all those basic human human uh, abilities yep. is important um but yeah how do you how do you break it up with that uh ultimately like i start off talking to the head coach like what do you want from me yeah because i'm a staff member mm-hmm. like i can't go in and like i'm gonna i'm gonna increase everyone's back squat what if they don't want that <laughs> yeah, what if they no. say i want i want this to be conditioned you know, then I need to change everything I'm doing. Um, or you look at the the stress of because ultimately I can say uh, my job is to reduce the likelihood of or I, I look at my main goal to inf- uh, reduce the likelihood of injury. Yep. But what if coach is practicing 40 hours a week, destroying them? Doesn't matter what I do in the weight room. Yeah. You know, it's it's completely meaningless to do. Uh, or let's say it's golf, you know, and it's like they're going to go whatever, hit 10,000 shots a day. And they're just tor- like torquing on their spine over and over. <laughs> yeah. It's like. What injury reduction exercise can I do? Nothing. Yeah. So maybe I need to talk to the coach. Hates. Maybe you should stop doing that. Maybe this is why people are getting hurt. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, there's, there's a lot of variables, but I think it starts with that. See, see what is the training load in the first place from the coach and ask what the coach wants. And then you go from there. Yeah. And um, I think that that yeah. was the uh, if you're looking for change, it's not going to come from the, the head coach first. So like you have to change what you're doing in the weight room first. You have to change the load that you're giving them once you see what's on the field. But with that and trying to move the strength conditioning field forward. And we talked about the communication. How do you communicate with the head coach that you see what they're doing probably isn't going to lead to the best success for the athlete? They're taking, like you said, 40 hours a week of practice and all their kids are destroyed. And then they're wondering why they're beat up on Saturdays and they, they put it on the weight room stuff. How do you go about that conversation? Uh get more Instagram followers and have your coach follow you on Instagram so they feel like you know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> you get a little uh, back up from that. Yeah, but in, in reality, that does, like, something like that does help, you know? Yep. Like, um, the worst thing is to have, is to work for a coach that doesn't believe in you, mm-hmm. you know? And they question everything you say. Um, and 
I, I think I, I think a lot of coaches in our field, uh, we make a lot of excuses. I mean, I definitely do too for for injuries. Like, oh, I, I can't, we can't even train this week because the coach is doing this. Like, yep. well, then go talk to the coach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, you know, and uh, this is something I've seen a lot with rugby strength coach and followers. Yep. He's been talking about a lot of of like. If the biggest impact is the sport coach, maybe we should have more conversation with the sport coach. You know, mm -hmm. don't just be like, "Oh, it's helpless." Um, but yeah, you know what? Like right now, I work. All of the coaches I work for, I've worked with for like a couple of years now. Okay, so it's very easy for me to have conversations. But I don't know, man. It, it depends on every every different case. Yeah. Like I could have a coach that is going to be skeptical of everything I say for five years, and then they, then they might start trusting me. Yeah. Um, versus, I might have a coach that's like. You know what you're doing. Do what you do, and you can give me some feedback on practice or whatever. Um, but it, it really depends. And I think uh, reading books like Robert Green. Robert Green has books with like human nature, like yep. Laws of Human Nature, Forty Laws of Power. Uh, those books have been actually very helpful for me yeah. because then you can realize how to, I guess, not the word manipulate. Is it, a bad it, word, it is almost but, but a little it is, bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like. If, 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 if they don't want to listen to you, if they're skeptical of you, that's your fault. Yep. Figure out how to get through it, how to get in their brain and then make them believe in what you're saying. You know? uh, if, if you are right. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's something we miss is that that element of uh, human psychology and how to, I'm going to use the word manipulate, but that's, that's probably not the best yeah. word to use, how to manipulate someone else yeah. to do what you want because ultimately you care about the success of the athletes. Mm -hmm. But maybe you see that that coach is sabotaging everything because they're emotional and they want to, they don't trust everyone. They want to kill them and whatever, like find a way to get through to that coach's brain. Yeah. yeah. And something that something I've been again, digging into books that are outside the strength conditioning field for that exact reason, re looking at like human psychology and what is behind that. One thing that's really helped me is realizing that the, the head coach wants to win. That they, That's their goal. They, even if they're practicing, the reason they're practicing for 40 hours a week is not because they want to lose games. So if in your communication with them, you are able to talk to them about that is not the best way to win. And again, and like you said, it may take five years to do that with that coach. It may be able to build that trust. And I like that you said that because I think it comes back to the extreme ownership as a coach is if they don't trust you in that moment, there's there's a reason for that. And you need to attack and build that trust up here at, at St. Thomas. I have the I, it's a blessing for me is I, I've known all the coaches. I played for all the coaches here. So I have that communication and trust built and just talking with other coaches, though, it's, it's a different setting. A lot of them, they're, they're coming in, they're getting hired by somebody and then they're in charge of another sports team that they weren't hired by and having to go through that communication process. But like you said, tr trust is the most important part. If that if that's not there with the coach, everything else below that is not it, almost like the, the athlete. Like if you're not built as a human, you don't have that basic foundation of what it is. It's it's never going to progress from there. It doesn't matter how many super maximal eccentric split squats yeah. you do, you know, then it goes. How do you get trust from a coach? Yeah, uh, I have no clue. <laughs> yeah, like it, like everyone is different. Everyone has a different personality. And it's like I think the more. Obviously, well, now, now I might contradict what I said, but like reading books definitely helps. But then it's like if you're just going to use random tactics that don't fit into who you are, you're probably not going to get someone's trust. It's going to be mm -hmm. artificial. Um, so I think as, as, I, as I'm 28 now, as I've gotten older, I've, I've realized who I am. Yeah. And stop faking things, you know, stop trying to use stop trying to use this tactic or this this method or whatever. But like just be myself, mm -hmm. you know, like and and the more I can do that and, and really the less I care about the end result of something, I think the better everything goes. Yeah. Meaning like, I don't, this coach doesn't want to listen. I don't need you to listen. You know, I don't need you to give my validation or anything like that. It's like, and then, and then sometimes I'm like, maybe I shouldn't work. Maybe I'm not meant to work with this team. 
maybe I'm not meant to work with this coach. Maybe I'm not meant to work with this athlete. Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> I can't yeah. connect with everyone. There are going to be people that hate me. You know, as much as we talk, strength coaches, we talk about relationships. You need to have relationships first before you worry about the uh, the technical side of strength conditioning. It's like, it, I don't say that because I think I have, I think I train about 100 athletes right now. There's a lot of them probably hate me. Yeah. I don't have great relationships with everyone. <laughs> if, if I'm actually being myself, yep. there are going to be people that hate me. There going to be people that love me. There going to be people in the middle. But if I'm trying to please everyone or I'm like acting a certain way to, to, to I don't know, fit the mold or something like there are going to be a number of that. And that's the issue. I think that's one issue with the college strength world is you have one strength coach and you would give whatever, 30 swimmers or something. Yeah, all 30 of those swimmers are going to love you. I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's the way it is. Yeah. Uh, so I, I want to break down because I think there's there's two paths. I, I've been really thinking about that point is. One, if you are who you are and you're trying to progress, pro- progress forward, not everybody's going to love you. It's, it's the same in any realm. If you want to be a good business person, not every single person's going to love you. And, and if they do love you, you're not doing a good enough job. But the other part is almost like the conscious coaching part, the Brett Bartholomew part of trying to find a way to make who you are, not changing who you are, but making who you are relate to every single athlete and trying to find a balance between those two things. Because like you said, if, yeah. The only ways you're going to please everybody is if you aren't yourself. And if you're not yourself, it's, it's going to be fake and it's not going to be last long. It's going to burn out. But trying to balance that with this is who I am. How can I make it work with the athlete? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I, I've enjoyed the, the, the leadership example of like Hitler. Yeah. You got a lot done, right? Yep. Um, maybe don't look at the end result, but like he, he got a lot of stuff done. Mm-hmm. You know, he was like, this is, I, I mean, I, I haven't read a biography on him or anything, but it's like, this is the way we do things. Either you fit in or you leave, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, I think that's very, that can be a very effective way of, of leading people. Um, so do you do that? Or do you, are you like, try to seek first to understand everyone? You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know where you stand with that, you know? Cause there, there are programs that can be successful. Say like, let's say maybe the Patriots were like, this is the way things go. <laughs> yep. And like, if, if you don't follow it, you're out, yeah. you know? Or, or like, I don't know, an example of a team. Someone that tries to understand everyone. You can all be individuals. You can all do what you want. You know, it's like, what are the boundaries? What are the standards? Yeah. Uh, and I think the more, if we go so far on that side of the conscious coaching side of like, let me try to understand everyone, keep people happy, whatever. It's like, I feel like you'd have less standards. You could have less boundaries, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's what makes you actually accomplish things. Because what if, I mean, what if I'm trying to understand you and I'm like, hey, how do you feel today? How do you, whatever. You're just like, man, I just, I just feel terrible. And then it's like, you just you slept two hours or you didn't eat enough food yesterday or you didn't you didn't do what you needed to, to do to recover because you know that the strength coach is an understanding guy. Yeah. Versus what if the strength coach is kind of a guy that's like he doesn't care. He has standards. He has boundaries. And it's like, oh, I just don't feel like it today. It's like, well, that's your fault. What yeah. did you do yesterday? <laughs> Yo. you know? So, like, you know, what I mean, I think there's positives and negatives on both sides, because then again, if you just say these are the standards, these are the boundaries, you need to follow this, you need to go behave in a certain manner, then you might hate me over time. You know, I might become I might look at you like a robot. You might look at me as like the militaristic leader. You know, yep. I don't know the balance. Yeah, <laughs> I and have that, no clue. Breaking that down even farther is the communication of I want my athletes to tell me they didn't sleep well enough so I can communicate with them that you need to do this. But then it's not going to be the, I feel sorry that you didn't sleep well enough. You know, you yeah. still, you that's still your responsibility. I still want that communicate. Cause I think if you get to one sense, I, I've had this before with strength coaches is the players are so scared to say anything like that, that they'll just, they, I, I slept great. I slept fine. And that's the only communication that you get with your athletes. I would much rather get the information and then being able to 
educate them on that. But yeah, the balance is the balance is tough because you can't be the pity party. Oh, you only got two hours of sleep. All right. Well, we're just going to take it easy today then to get to get to the bottom of the answer. We probably have to question having a coach in the first place. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, let's say you're a golfer. Could you could you figure it all out by yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you need to hire a coach? Do you need a strength coach? Do you need an athletic trainer? You need a physical therapist? You know, you need all these all these special professions or could you figure a lot of it out by yourself? Is the cream of the crop going to rise regardless? And and, yeah. Yeah. And now you don't have a coach being like, hey, how much sleep last night? You tell yourself, (laughs) you know, like like, I should have slept more last night because now I now I can't practice. Now I can't perform versus then you have all these coaches like trying to manage you. I don't know the best way. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But it it, it is an interesting thought to Mm -hmm. even just be like, what is is coaching for? You know, and then we're trying to like make everyone like behave in a certain manner. Like if they don't behave in a certain manner, maybe they shouldn't even be doing it in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe it's because they're for the last, if they're college, maybe the last 18 years, they've been doing it for their parents. They've been doing it for the coaches. They've been doing it because of their friends. They've been doing it for this. Maybe they've been doing it for reasons that they shouldn't even be doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, that point that you brought up. I see all the time is I know there are play there are players that don't enjoy the sport. There are players that don't enjoy what we're doing, but like you said, they have that external pressure to do it. And the thing I struggle with is the team's, goal is to win some of those players are good enough to produce on the field even though they don't enjoy the sport they don't enjoy these things but they're good enough just baseline to do that how do you balance cutting those people out and still winning with that talent that you would otherwise waste because you are only going to take the top of the top you know yeah i think uh it depends on the sport obviously but like was this in fergus's book where it was like you don't just look for the most talented you look for someone that fits the game model the yep. game model that you have right? yep um, so it's not always just about that. And, and I guess it would depend on the sport, too. If you have a sport like soccer, you can't just be like a crazy good soccer player and go play on a terrible team and take over because because there's so many players. You know, yeah. the, the, the the field is so big or what do they call it? The pitch, right? It's so big versus basketball. You could be a, you could be LeBron James. You could be on a terrible team. Take you over. Can take over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, yeah. You get those people that are very talented. I guess it depends on the sport. Mm-hmm. You play football, you're a talented wide receiver. What if the quarterback is terrible? Ball, you know? <laughs> like, uh, how much does it matter? So uh, it's a lot of variables to that. Yeah. What was some like the journey to get there? This this is the part that a lot of people struggle with is they they, they see the bottom of the mountain where they're at. They see the top of the mountain in quotations. You're still going to climb. You're still going to go to where you want to go, but they 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 miss that whole chunk in the middle. The the whole climbing up that wall. The whole like two hours a night that you get to sleep, the sleeping at the office, that type of thing. What were some of those struggles and what were some of the, the, the mindset that allowed you to get through those struggles and some of the habits that you had through that? I hated interning. Yeah. Every place I ever interned, <laughs> all the free work I did, uh, miserable. Like I had years where it was like, what am I doing? You know? Um, and then I have a number of people ask me about how to, how to get to a position I'm at to acquire the knowledge or whatever. And it's like, you're going to like, Internships suck. In my opinion, internships suck. A lot of people can, can do it. Their personality fits. They can go and be an assistant. They can go yep. and listen to somebody and do do a really good job like that. Uh, I know that I don't. I do a, ter- I do a terrible <laughs> job. Yep. But it's like, if you really love it, if you really want to do it, you'll go through all that stuff. You know, you'll go through four or five years of working for free and not getting paid at all. Uh, maybe you have a boss that you hate or something like that. Like um, I've had friends who go, they, they go do internships and they quit because a, a strength coach treated them a certain way. They didn't want to do something that if it was demeaning or something. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's like, Okay, well, it's not meant for you. you yeah, know? like I would have done all that stuff. I didn't care. I had the end goal in mind. Like I wanted to be, I wanted to be a Division One strength coach. Yep. Um. So like I would have, I would have done anything for that. I guess. <laughs> uh. But I, I think 
you, that's where I have to start. Like, do you really want to do this? Yep. Um, and it's like, how do you get, how do you get so much knowledge with strength and conditioning? It's like, well, you read books, you can talk to people. Like if you really want to do it, you'll do it. Like how hard is it? Right. Yeah. Like it's, I think it's very simple. Um, but I think things, I think the process is very simple, but things, I think the things can get confusing when we go on things like, like social media and we're talking about advertising and we're talking about how to get our name out there. And we're talking about like, just do what you like doing, you know, like, like (laughs) people, people talk to me a lot about isometrics and I'm like, well, I used to have patellar tendonitis in my knee and I couldn't jump and I couldn't dunk. I I love dunking when I was a senior, but I couldn't even dunk when I was in, in high school. Um, but I love the idea of dunking basketballs. It really, it really uh, connected with me. And then I had jumpers and I couldn't jump for like two, three years because I had surgery. They told me to rest. They told me I was like, so like I started doing isometrics because I love dunking mm-hmm. and I had knee pain and I just shared it with people. You know, it wasn't like I'm, I'm trying to get validation for everyone. I'm trying to get likes. I'm trying, it was just like, I love doing this and it's seen results for me. So hopefully I can help some other people. Yeah. Um, but it's like, what to get back to the, the question is like, I mean, what do you, what do you love doing? And can you monetize it? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. But what do you love doing and go and do it, yeah. you know? Um, and maybe share it with people along the way instead of like just holding it. To, Cause I think social media gives us the chance to share all the time, share what we're doing. Um, assuming we're doing what we love, but it's like, if you really love it, you'll go through a lot of stuff that sucks. Mm-hmm. Maybe you hate reading, but you need to develop strength conditioning knowledge. You'll start reading books and then that will become a habit. And then uh, how long it's like 30 days to develop a habit or something. Yep. And then you'll read every single day instead of sitting on YouTube, watching stupid videos. You know? <laughs> yep. um, but I, I mean, if you love doing it, you have the answers. Yeah. <laughs> it's there. Just, just keep doing it. You know? Um, and if you don't, then you're going to quit. Yeah. That's and, and maybe that wasn't the path. If, if you quit and if then you probably, it's probably not the path for you. You know, if that's one thing I talk about the, the work ethic of super successful people is they don't, some of the stuff sucks, but like the, the, the burning, the burning angle, like how you mentioned that, I, I feel it. I, I know a lot of the success, really successful people talk about that same thing. How is that something that you did? You just wake up one day and you're like, this, this is what I want to do. Like my whole heart, everything is in this. I'm, I'm full go in this. Or did you, did you sit down and write that down? What, how, what was the process of how did you get such a burning why in you to push through all that stuff? that's where I think a lot of people struggle is they, they, they're trying to figure out, they're trying to copy somebody else's path. They're trying to go through this. They're trying to go through this. And then when a tough time hits, they don't really have a reason for doing it. They don't, they don't have that angle. They just saw somebody else do it and it was successful. How was, yeah. how was that developed in you? Well, now I say, uh, just try to avoid tough times. Yeah. <laughs> like try to take, try to keep things as positive as possible. Like all the time, you know, like, like keep, like get some momentum. And then continue the momentum and yeah. try never to lose the momentum. Uh, that was said about, uh, if you watch NBA, Lamar Odom. Lamar Odom used to play, I think he played for the Lakers. And he, he something happened. He took two, three years off. And Charles Barkley was like, he's done. Like, he lost his momentum. He's done. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't think he came back. But it's like, for me, once I was able to reach a certain level of success, I realized I have a lot of momentum behind me. I have a lot of people reaching out to me. Yeah. I have a lot of people respecting me. Don't lose it. You know, yeah, keep you know. going with it because then, then it's like you lose it and, and you're screwed. I see people like they get on, let's say they get on, a, they have they have nothing going for them. They get on a podcast, gives them a ton of like uh, people reaching out to them, whatever. And then they stop producing content or they stop doing what they did and they lose everything. Yeah. You lose the momentum. Yep. So don't lose the momentum. But uh, for me, starting off, I guess this, this is more for the current time is what I say. Don't lose momentum. You know, continue reading, continue reaching out to people. Just keep that go. Keep the positivity going. Yep. Um, and that. Like with time, that will turn into something better and better and better. Um, but for me, when I started out, it was like, I just said I wanted to do this, you know? 
I want to be a strength coach. I had no clue what else I wanted to do. So I was just like, I'm going to go through all this whole process of getting the degrees, getting the certifications, <laughs> going to seminars, interning for free. Uh, I just really had no other option. Like I didn't want to do anything else. Yep. And, and, and I worked, I worked so many jobs at like gas stations or, uh, whatever retail stuff like, like just miserable things that I hated so <laughs> yeah. much. Um, but it's like, I guess when you, everyone has a different story, but for me, it was like, uh, really having no purpose for like years and in high school, basketball gave me a purpose. And that was, that was a lot of fun. Then that's over. Then it's depression. Then it's like, what do I do now? Let's go to college and run through the motions. And it's like two years. I have no purpose. I don't know what I'm doing. That's like strength and conditioning. And then you have a purpose and you can just live your life like that. Yeah. Um, this was said in, you ever heard of the book, reality Transurfing? I haven't. Uh, you can get it on YouTube. Okay. Uh, Every time I drive, I live in Ohio and I drive home to Wisconsin in the summer. It's like 12, 13 hours. Every time I've drove, I've listened to this book. Um, the same one? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, 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 it's really good. But um, he had a part about, uh, he, he talked about kids, like young kids. If they don't, if you don't give them, like a, say a two-year-old or a three-year-old, if you don't give them a purpose, they're going to start crying. They're going to start whining. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they need something to strive for. We're the same thing. You know, if we don't have any purpose, we're going to, whatever, search for our phone. We're going to get depressed if we stay on our phone for two hours, you know, um, or we're going to get bored. We're going to watch TV, watch Netflix, uh, binge watch some show or something. If you have no purpose, you're going to need, you need something to have. And a lot of people just choose very passive things you know, <laughs> that don't lead to anything. Yeah. You go watch a whole Netflix series. You didn't accomplish anything. Nobody know, nobody cares what you did. You just sat there and did nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so to, to, to find the purpose and then get momentum and just keep it going. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. I love that point because it relates a lot to Jordan. Do, do you listen to Jordan Peterson or any of Jordan uh, Peterson stuff? I have and uh, some useful stuff. There are people that I I connect with, people that I don't, and him. Yeah. I don't. That's you know what I mean. I yeah, just don't really no, I feel that totally. Yeah. But I just like his. He talks about his people. Everybody says they don't want any rules, and he's like, that's not true. Everybody wants rules. Everybody wants a, a purpose, like a path, and that's what rules give you as a foundation to move forward in life. So I like that you mentioned that part, and then and then the the momentum part is something we talk about all the time. Like the the Yoakam Strength tagline is like keep chopping wood and. Once you get started, this is why I tell a lot of people trying to start is once you get started and you keep rolling that that feedback that you get from people and the expectations that you have from people, that's what pushes you forward. That's what pushes me forward is you, you can be in that valley. You can be like in that muck of you've been working, 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 and it feels like nothing. And then you get that one hit of that effect. Some person says that affected me, that helped me that that way. And that that's what allows you to keep going. It's, it's not yourself. It, a lot of people have motors. A lot of people can work really hard, but if you're just doing it again with no passion, no purpose, no, nothing behind you, it, it's really tough to not quit. Yeah. The, the, uh, the rules reminds me of like being, being a strength coach and actually having a fair amount of knowledge uh, or I guess experience where like we, it, rules, you said the word rules. It makes me think of the more knowledge you get, like there are so few rules in strength conditioning mm-hmm. because we realize like we really know very little, you know, <laughs> yeah. like when you first start out, you feel like you know everything, but then you get like I'm 10 years, a little bit more in, I feel like I know so little. And then you work with athletes. And what if you give them your doubt, right? What if yeah. you give them like, <laughs> what if you give them no rules? And what all they want is rules. All they want is you to be like, this is the way for you to be the best athlete in the world. Listen to me and let's go. Um, maybe some of them are skeptical or whatever, but at the end of the day, they want the rules. Mm-hmm. And it just sucks to be like a decade in and be like, I hardly know anything, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, but to, I don't, maybe you try to hide that. Maybe not, not that maybe that's the right word, but like, don't show, I, I think 
don't show that to them. Be yeah. like, this is the way we're doing things. Let's go and do it. Yeah. And you, you want to talk, you want to talk about like later about it or something. A lot of athletes don't care. Probably like 90% of them don't even care about the, the mechanism or stuff like that. But maybe the 10% want to actually question you and they can have an individual conversation with you. But it's like, just, we say like, be confident, but it's like, how do you get confidence without any experience without, you know what I mean? Like you can't just act confident. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, um, but try to like fake it till you make it. I, guess. I, I don't know. But it, I say I'm a decade in and I know so little compared to what I felt I knew the first year. This just gets worse and worse and worse with time. Maybe it does. But that whole part of the human psychology piece of like people want to have rules. People want to feel like you know what you're doing. So show them that you know what you're doing, even if you feel like you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. And it's 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 there's so many good parts there of we say all the time as soon as somebody tells you they're an expert that's when you run because as soon as they say they're an expert that means they think they peak they don't have to learn the fact that you say you know nothing like that's when you know a coach knows it's it's a it's a weird oxymoron but if somebody tells you they're an expert you should get out of that situation because that's when you know they're going to get passed up they're not growing anymore and then the second part is that rules balance of like you said athletes are like i want the best plan to get me to when you know as a strength coach there is no best plan in quotations and being able to communicate with them of this is the best thing we have right now we know right now we can do right now through there but again eliminating that doubt that you know in your head as a field we, i feel like we're just on the surface of everything that in the next 200 years we're going to discover about this this is why like i've done so many i purchased so many programs online like the <laughs> programs when i was a kid and that gives you I guess we'll just keep using that term. That gives you the rules. Yeah. Like this is what you need to do to get to that point. Even if it's completely wrong, you look at it. And if they, if they, if you connect with it, you buy into it and you freaking do it, you know, and you get results because yeah. <laughs> you were consistent with it. Even if it kind of sucks and it wasn't the best, whatever, but like people, like they just, they need that, you know, mm-hmm. people need, I needed that. Now at this point, I don't really need that because I have so much more knowledge, but these people that don't care that much, or they've only been two years in, they don't have that much knowledge. So you can still, you can still like, affect them with that you know what I mean? yeah so affect them with like a program of like you need to do this if i read something like that now uh now that i have a lot more knowledge i'll be like no that's not, <laughs> like this is the best program for this i'm, I'm not buying that yeah yeah you know, that's that's probably stupid i'm gonna look at it because i have because i have such a filter i'll be like well that's stupid that's stupid that's stupid but it's almost like if you can be have less knowledge and be more oblivious then we can actually affect you more to get better results. Like we'll give you more of a placebo. Effect, yeah, I was gonna you know? say more yeah. of that placebo, the mental yeah. side of the game. Yeah, yeah. So and and luckily, I mean, if we work with eighteen to twenty-two year old athletes, they don't have the filter that I have at my age to look through stuff and be like, "Well, that's stupid. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this?" It's like just buy, <laughs> do your best, <laughs> buy into it, shut your brain off, and let's go. Yeah. Is there anything that you do in your programs then that, so this is how we would do, let's say a different type of movement, even though it would have the same effect as a, a classic barbell lift. We, we, we mix up the bench press. This is something that I do with my football athletes. We mix up the bench press to get a little bit of that placebo and then to get that not buy-in, but just if we always do the same thing with the football program, with the football guys, they, they, they get repetitive. They, almost go through the motions with it whereas I, I call it a spice it up just a little bit of different motions do you do any of that with your programs to where it's this is something new for the athlete to learn obviously you have the motor learning patterns through that but I think that's a small part of it I try to look at the psychological side of it as they can walk into that weight room and get something new and not fun but different for them do you do anything yeah. like that um are you familiar with Christian Thibodeau's neurotyping stuff yep. yeah I, if you purchase anything with that I haven't 
I, I have I, I have the the book downstairs, but I okay, haven't read it yeah. yet. I mean, just the idea of it uh, and talking with the coaches who've who've implemented it more. We can say like when we bucket an entire team, like let's say I work with let's say it's the swim team, and I'm like, uh, they got bored of this, and I want to change this to this. It's like I don't think that's completely accurate because there's probably like if there's 30 of them or so. There's probably like three or four that would love to do the same exact exercise yeah, for their sure. entire life. <laughs> yeah. you know? um, so almost going back to like we're a strength coach, we manage a team of 30 or 100 people at once or something. It's not the best case, you know, if, if but that's a budget thing. That's just the way things are. It's like if each athlete could have a coach that understands them the best, then they could actually indiv- individualize that, you know, to make it be like if you're someone who enjoys bench press your entire life every single day that you come in the weight room, yep. let's do it. You want some variation? We'll give you some variation, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely do use a lot of variation. Um, I think a benefit is that it doesn't get as boring. You work with football. That's very different than my sports. Like if it's like a distance female swimmer, you know, like she doesn't probably doesn't care about the board <laughs> of the exercise, you know, it's, yep. it's, there could be a, there could be so many things going through her head. She could enter the weight room and just be like, uh, this is going to make me sore. You know, yep. that might actually be all she sees. This is going to make me sore. <laughs> um, I mean, we're still going to do it. Should, should I go and try to try to tease this out? Like, why do you think this makes you sore? Give you this and this and this, and then try to justify why we're doing things. Um, I don't really do that. Like you get a, you get a big team like that. And I have the number of athletes I have not using this as an excuse, but I just like overwhelmed myself. How could I possibly connect to everyone to give them what they want? Um, versus like, if you come in and you lift the way that I want you to lift, you're going to be, you're probably going to be more resilient to injury, you know, because you're doing, I'm giving you your, if y'all do a swim, you come in, you lifted some weights, you got some resistance on your body. You went through a full range of motion. Like just the simple act of doing that, even if you hated it, is probably good for your body. Yeah. You know? um, so yeah, I do. I do use a lot of variation, and I guess another benefit is if you're let's if you don't want people to lift like a ton of weight uh, for whatever reason, it maybe like 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 they don't they can't because they're doing yep. no exercise. Yep. You know. No, that's um, another. So benefit. so I I do try to do that, and yeah, to argue like the motor learning aspect. Oh, you can you can master a back squat and a front squat and a zercher squat, whatever. That is. To me, like in my brain, that is so meaningless compared to what happens on a football field or what happens on a basketball court, you know? Yeah. Like, who cares? This is the basic, most basic exercise. You can consciously think of it. It doesn't matter at all. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Like, maybe if you're like a one-year-old kid and you can can master some new pattern like that. But it's like, these things are very simple. Yeah. You know? Um, I I don't think it, like, to argue the the benefit of doing a different exercise and the the motor learning, the the pathways we develop, but I think it's... uh, Small Fairly compared to the, yeah. the chaos yeah. that is on the <laughs> yeah, field yeah, and court. Exactly. Yeah. So with that, I think that brings us into a little bit of the tactic, tactical and technical part of the model of how, how do you view that as you, like, what is your role in that development? Do you do anything with that? Do you do any small side games like Game Changer talks about? How do you try to, do you get your athletes ready for when the sport coach takes and does all that? Or do you try and prepare them in a different way and get them into different movements like that? Or what's your... Pathway. Yeah, uh, it'd probably be best to use. I work with women's basketball. Maybe use that as an example. Yeah. Um. So like all summer, and actually now NCAA rules kind of change. I used to have. I think I used to have six hours, and they would have two hours on the court. And now it's four and four. So I do four hours. They do four hours on court. Okay. So everything in the summer has changed to me being like, 
let's minimize fatigue. Yeah. Uh, I do not want to send you to the court tomorrow or today for an hour of practice and you're destroyed because we just did super maximal back squats and now you blow your ACL or something happened. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, I think we can always trace that back to what you, if you've done way too much work and you can't recover from it. All summer, when we have that opportunity to like, we have 60 minutes to lift or 45 minutes to lift, we'll do, sometimes we'll do a warm up, maybe some basic human movements um, and then we'll do some stupid game you yep. know like does this do anything for basketball i have no clue but i mean they it seems usually they enjoy it like yep. if we play med ball tennis or uh some beach ball volleyball something stupid like yep. that you know you're moving you know, there's some there's some vision happening there's some brain happening there's some communication happening um it's a sport that's completely different than your sports uh i don't know the implications that has for actual performance in the sport of basketball uh but as probably, a human. probably nothing. Like, what if we let's say this? What if you took LeBron James and got him really good at beach ball, volleyball? Would he be, be any better at basketball? <laughs> I don't think not. so. No. <laughs> um, but uh, if you take like a very young kid that's like just terribly coordinated at anything, you get a better at beach ball, volleyball. He might be probably better at basketball. Better basketball you know? yeah. um, but so to argue that side is pretty difficult at the college, especially Division One college. Like, you're just not getting athletes that are that poorly coordinated. Yeah. Um, but one benefit I think. Uh, the psychological, we're not talking about, but like psychological aspect of you can go and do this for five to 10 minutes. I don't care about your performance. No one's coaching you. There's nothing happening. Just go and go and play. Play. Go yep. and have, hopefully you get into a flow state. <laughs> now I've done games where people don't enjoy them, you know, and then yep. it's like, all right, this doesn't work. Let's go lift. We're done. <laughs> um, but yeah, you get into that state of like, uh, and I've seen that with uh, like women's golf too, where mm-hmm. it's even talking with the coach. Uh, Cause he would come to our lifting where he would always, he, there was so much expectation of them all the time. You have to whatever, get this, get these grades, go and practice this amount of time. There's always like, you can do more, you can do more, you can do more. And I'm like, what if we took five minutes and we played some stupid game yep. where you you can't coach them. I can't coach them and nobody cares. Maybe they get a chance to laugh, you know, and they get to a chance to interact with that. I don't know if that helps. Uh, maybe that helps their whole experience. You know, we talk so much about culture. Like if you can have five to 10 minutes, where there are coaches present, but there's no coaching happening. Yep. You know, I, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Um, I, I would think it is, but in terms of the tactics and um, the, the technique, like I can't use a basketball in my training. Yep. Yeah, we're uh, and, and would I, like would I want, if they're doing four hours in court, four, four hours with me in the summer, would I want them to do more uh, like sports specific stuff? Uh, no, <laughs> actually, yeah. um, I'd rather do the stuff in the weight room People say like fill the buckets. So, uh, you ever heard that saying? Yep. Like fill the buckets of what they're not getting. Um, I I understand. I kind of think it's a stupid term, and I think like, do you need to fill every single bucket? You just made this up. You know, <laughs> you need to <laughs> yeah. fill the max strength bucket, and that's what's at the end of the day we're trying to play it for the basketball. Yeah. Like, who created these buckets? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, at the same time, I understand it, and I'm like, but I more look at it like we're gonna do all this stuff for the specific adaptation to like. Maybe make the muscle, tendon, ligament, everything a little bit more resilient, you know, a little bit stronger, maybe increase force production. Um, all that stuff that basketball is probably not going to give you. Um, and hopefully that keeps you healthier in the long run. Yeah. Um, or you can actually, if you're like a post player, you can body someone up a little bit better. You know, you don't get pushed around as much if we increase your back squat or bench press, something like that. Um, but yeah, the, the, the tactics... Like I will do that with a general stupid game, yep. Um, and then the technique of the sport, I can't use the sporting implement. So what am it's I gonna, gonna do? You know, like, enough. am I gonna, uh, am I gonna take a PVC pipe and have the golfer swing the PVC? Pipe <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like no, the whole like fill the buckets. Although I think that that saying is completely made up and stupid. 
uh, you get where it I'm going. Fits here. Yeah. Yeah, for <laughs> yeah. sure. No, we do, we do a very similar thing. And like you said, psychologically of allowing them to play a game. One thing Sean Mishka says is they'll, they'll, they'll find a way to win in that sport and they'll find body positions to put themselves in to win. And hopefully that can transition to the field. But just psychologically, if we do, let's say a, a sprint workout before we're just focused on max velocity that day. And then we go in the weight room. Yeah. It gets them hyped up. They like running. They like doing that. But let's say we do a game base where we're hopefully trying to hit some max velocity work in this game. We have an open field game. We have a bigger game. Their attitudes when they go in the weight room, now that they just won, they just competed. They just got after it. It's so much higher. And there's just a level of energy from, Oh, we just got done playing. We were just doing this. And they, they're able to put themselves in the position naturally. Of, I think a lot of times, and I struggle with this as a coach is we coach them out of positions that they, that athlete is a phenomenal athlete there's probably a reason he's putting himself in that position and i'm telling him to get his knees up or something like that you know and yeah, i think yeah. when when they're in a game-based thing they, they think less about that and they think more about winning which when we get on the field we get on the court whatever we do that that's the goal is to win yeah uh darian bar has been big like i i love his work because you follow him I, I just recently just because of it's you just because you brought him up it's basically um this is like let's say this this is the way human being is moving and we coach them out of it and then he's showing all these things. Why are you coaching them out of this? <laughs> you know, yeah. like they're not getting their knees up high enough in a max velocity sprint. And then let's look at a person who's very fast max velocity sprinter. <laughs> their knees are not getting up. Yeah. You know? Why? Like, you know, why do we think we're right? Um, and then the whole inside edge thing, knees coming in. And we're like, well, we're basically correct everyone to never let the knees come in. And just watch just watch dunkers, you know, two leg two leg jumpers like their knees are going away in, you know, making a triangle with their knees. Um, so it's like. Yeah, we coach them out of all these things. And it's like, how much are we coaching them out that is completely ruining them? <laughs> yeah. I mean, who knows? Uh, I, now, we could use an, an example. A good example I've read was uh, this is the innate performance of the human body with a sprint. And we're coaching them and we might be ruining them. But what if they go in the weight room and they're doing a deadlift and they're just ratting their back like crazy? Let's go coach them. Because yeah. that's probably the not the, the – even to argue injury, like – People can dead, and I, I I believe this. People can deadlift with terrible rounded backs. Never experienced injury in their entire life. Mm -hmm. You know, they they probably won't deadlift a whole lot of weight because there's not many people who deadlift a lot of weight with a super rounded back. So we can always argue the performance side. We could say if you actually learn how to hinge at your hips, you can probably pick up a lot more weight over time versus doing it this way. But if we argue injury and say you're hey you're gonna blow out your back, people blow out their back with a neutral spine. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's so so <laughs> why do, why do we say that? And, and the whole uh, anti-fragile type argument, too, of like, we tell people that, you're going to blow out your back. Now we're afraid to do anything, you know? Mm -hmm. Now we think our back is fragile, where it's like, we can handle, like, uh, a Jefferson curl, you know, that, yep. a really super round yep. deadlift position. We're not going to try to, I, I don't think we should try to deadlift max weight with that. But, yeah, to try to, to try to do that. But then the whole thing is like, where do you, if someone is moving a certain way and we're like, they're very successful, I mean, how do you know where you're coaching intervention, where you should intervene with coaching or not yeah. you know and i have no clue on that <laughs> and that's where it comes uh, yeah. back to strength like it's so you have to think about it on two different levels of it's so specific and so scientific but then it's also so general and that that's the part that then we've talked about it through this whole podcast is trying to blend those two and there's really trying to stay in that gray area of yeah. you working with both of them yeah. one of the points and i think a year ago i you were the first person that, that i saw on instagram that was talking about that knees in and the rotation of the body and um Joel Smith has the book about it too, but um, going from there, you you posted one the other day that I really liked. It was talking about, this is what this guy's doing and he has a 42 inch vert. Should, and you, you posted a question like, is this his absolute peak of performance type thing? Like, could he be coached into something better and is that worth the coaching or are you gonna coach him out of that? And it's just, it's, we talk about the strength conditioning, it's so simple, but so complex and it's such a 
chaos-based field. And- yeah, yeah. The <laughs> like being talking with Kevin Foster, uh, many people before that too. Like it really opened my eyes of like we t- we do the biomechanics thing. And we're, if if that's an example, forty-two inch vertical, and we look at his movement and we're or his biomechanics, we're like he could be optimized here, get a better stretch of the glutes, better this is this whatever. Like we're a system of systems, you know. Yeah. Like everything interacts with everything in that moment to jump forty-two inches. Like how do you know that if we get a better pre-stretch of his glute or a better is that going to jack something, something else up? Yeah, or how do you like how do you know that that's going to enhance the performance? The only way I guess to know is like given the intervention and measure it, you mm-hmm. know. But then a problem with a lot of the like post activation potentiation stuff is or the research with that is like one group bikes for 5 minutes, the other group does post activation potentiation. And it's like a 5 minute bike doesn't prepare you to jump your highest. Yeah. The post activation probably does. So it's like how do you know if you gave the coaching intervention and they got better? Maybe they're just now warmed up. They're more warmed up. <laughs> yep. How do you how do you know anything? You know how do you balance <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. There's no way to know. Good. Well, now we're gonna get into our rapid fire round of questions and just going over. We've we've covered a couple of them. Have we gone through? But do I have to answer fast? No, no. Okay. They don't have to. Just a right. couple questions. So we got favorite books that you think um, listeners can read. Recently, I've only been recommending Anti Fragile. Anti Fragile. Okay. Uh, has nothing to do with strength conditioning, but makes you realize like. Uh, how stupid we are! <laughs> how stupid we are! To, how stupid we are to intervene as much as we intervene, Yo. and how stupid we are to look to reduce things down to like the glute muscle and uh, vertical jump. Yo. There are so many more things happening. I read your uh, ten takeaways from that, and that was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was like yeah, there's yeah. so much sense. All right, who is who is a guest you think we should have on this podcast? Anybody that you can challenge us to get on or? Just think would be a good fit for the podcast. I, I personally want to get him, but a, a Darian Barr. Darian Barr, yeah. okay. Um, if, especially if you're not familiar with his stuff. Yep. And maybe you could not stay unfamiliar with it and uh, I guess ask him some questions. <laughs> yes, Darian Barr. But you would have to be prepared uh, to, to probably take an ego hit as oh. a strength coach, you know? <laughs> like you're doing all this stuff, but I mean, what's the purpose? Yep. Uh, a big thing that I don't fully understand yet is like the, the shin angle changing and stuff with him that like we have these deep squats and the shin angle is not changing at all versus like you watch sport and like the only thing or the shin angle tells you a lot about what's happening at any at any one moment so when we do like deep squat per, for performance increase do we even need to go that low you know or like if, if it is about the shin angles and sprinting and jumping and stuff like that um do we just if we do that we do like a deadlift motion and we're strengthening the low back and the hips sure the injury reduction side yes but the performance side is like is a lot of that range doing anything if the shin angle is if just the shin angle yeah, 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 yeah. yeah yeah uh so that's that was an interesting thing i don't know where that's going yet in my yeah. brain but that's a question that i want to ask him gotcha is that breaking it down into trying to find movements in the weight room that create different shin angles then is uh, that- well then we could be like what are we trying to do sprint faster jump higher Let's go and sprint and jump. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then this can be injury reduction, uh, basically looking at that. As, so you're still doing it, but basically. now you just know a deeper reasoning of why you're doing it. Yeah. 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 Or you realize stupidity of what you think it was doing <laughs> that is yeah. not doing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I got it. All right. So what's next for you? What What is your, your end goal and just the, the next step to get there? Are you there? Do you see yourself going somewhere else? What's your I actually process? don't know. Um, I've had a lot of people ask me about online coaching, so that's what I need to do next. Yeah. Set something up so I can online coach people, because uh, I'm able to experiment a lot when I when I do give different training programs and stuff and get feedback from people. Um, but uh, I really don't know. I mean, we talked a little bit about my personality and my biggest fear with 
me go if I go work somewhere else. I mean, I love my the place I'm at now. I yeah. love the the athletes I train, the coaches I work with, uh, the athletic trainers. Which a lot of times the athletic training relationship can be difficult. Yeah. Um, and here it's taken me maybe a couple of years, but now I think I'm at a I'm at a solid spot with the trainers I do work with. Uh, but you've probably had situations where you you're a strength coach and you just hate the athletic trainer you just don't get along. Yeah. You know, and and maybe they look at you that you're not that smart. You look at them that you just doing rehab light band stuff that's stupid or whatever. Um, but for me, it's my personality, like working with people. There are some people that I do not work well with. And what if what if I want to go get a position somewhere else and I work with a coach that I don't get along well with? And could I actually uh, change myself to work well yep. with them? You know? <laughs> um, luckily now, uh, people people listen to me. They respect me. Uh, the coaches that I, that I work with, they let me do what I what I need to do. Yep. You know, um, so uh, what's next for me? I don't really know that question. What do you, where do you see yourself in five years? I've never been able to answer. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, like. I, I think what I do, if, I, if, I, if I'm reading every day, if I'm reaching out to other people, I'm, I'm putting out content, I'm getting feedback all the time. I do that for a month, for a year, for two years, for three years, something good has to happen. When that opportunity presents itself, then yeah. you're ready for it. You're yeah. ready to take yeah. that jump. It's yeah. not like, oh shit, that's there. I'm yeah. too late for it. Yeah. Yep. All right. So when you retire, when you die, when you're on your deathbed, what do you want people to say your legacy was? What, are they, what do you want them to say about you? That's tough. Well, okay, here. Either maybe not the legacy of the business side, but like either they loved me or they hated me. Okay, that wasn't not indifference. Because I think if I am myself, yep. they will love me or they'll hate me. <laughs> I like and that. They don't just feel. Oh, he was an okay guy. Yeah, I don't want that. Uh, yeah, I like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, now, my, you would you would love to meet our head coach here because he has he has the very same mindset. He's like, <laughs> I don't have very many friends, and I like it that way. It's like this is this is how I live my life. If they're either on board or they're not, so he has a very similar mindset. All right, and last question we got here. You're in a room with somebody that wants to change your life. They're really struggling. What is your 10 minute or 10 second billboard message that you're going to give them? What's the next thing that they can take right now from this little sound clip and use in their life to go forward? I thought of this and now it's now it's escaped me. I thought of it last night because I went out and read this. Uh, well, you come like back. It would be it would be to the extent of like take action and do, yeah. you know, stop. Like stop reading books. There was there's this great guy I listened to, uh, Dan Pena. You ever heard of him? Uh-huh. He's like you could look him up on YouTube. He's like the six billion dollar man. Made a bunch of oil, <laughs> okay. made a bunch of oil with made a bunch of money with oil or something like that. Um, like this really old guy, like super to the point. But he's like, would you ra- if you get a business partner? Would you rather get the person who's read seven hundred books or done seven hundred sales? Yeah, seven hundred sales. sales. That's what yeah. I would say. Like, I I respect the theory and the, the reading and this and this and this, but like. Go and apply it, you know, stop thinking, stop, stop talking, uh, whatever. What have you done? What's your result? Yep. You know, and like, I think a lot of people, they're like, they, it's just inaction. The reason they don't have what they want is inaction. And they get that's frozen it. by the, the fear of action. Yeah. And yeah. I can say this because that's me, because I grew up like that. You know, I grew up afraid to take action. I grew up with social anxiety. I grew up with all this, all those issues. And it's like nothing was ever solved until I started taking action. <laughs> yep. You know, yep. everything is solved when you take action. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, that's Everything you've said is pretty much our, our what our business stands for and going through. So it's going it's to yeah. resonate well with our listeners. Awesome. So thank you yeah. for having it. Thank yeah, you no for problem. being here. And yeah. It was awesome. Thanks for listening. Keep chopping wood.